0: This morning, my message is titled, He Who Reveals Secrets. Our God can reveal the secrets. And you know, there is no secret that we can keep from Him. He knows the thoughts of our hearts. He knows what is on our mind. He knows before we even think it, doesn't He? He knows, so don't try to keep a secret from God because He knows. Amen? Let's go ahead and begin this morning with prayer before I go any further. Father, we do praise You and magnify You. We know that You reign from Your throne in heaven. But Father, even greater than that, we know that You are in our midst through the power of Your Holy Spirit, that You are with us each and every day in our hearts. And Father, may our hearts and our minds be open to You. May Your Spirit lead us and guide us. Father, I pray that as Your Word goes forth this morning, Father, that I know this crowd here is small, but maybe it, it will reach out to thousands, Father God, through the Internet and through the technology that we have today. I just pray that You would be, be, be praised, that Your Word would be proclaimed, that You would receive the glory and the honor that You are due, that You are so worthy of. Amen. Father, I just pray that Your name will be lifted high, and may our hearts and our minds be open to what You have for us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to share a story that a pastor shared that his church, every spring, would have a traditional grad Sunday where they would honor the high school seniors or the college graduates. In this one particular year, a young senior high girl by the name of Edith Jackson shared her thoughts with the congregation. And one of the listeners that day was a man named Howie Stevenson, who at the time was a music professor at Westmont College and their church's part-time minister of music. Edith's speech was short and to the point, but she used one phrase that changed the course of Howie's life. She said, When your memories exceed your dreams, life is over for you. The pastor remembered talking with Howie at the end of the service, and he said, John, he says, After Edith spoke, he says, I didn't hear another word. He said, You see, at the time, Howie had fulfilled all of his life goals. He had raised his family, received his doctorate of music from USC, had gone as far as he could go in teaching at the college. However, although these goals had been achieved, he felt bored, stagnant, and empty. Do you ever feel that way? It was shortly thereafter that Howe responded to a call from Pastor Chuck Swindoll to become the music minister at Fullerton, California, or in Fullerton, California. And as Howe says... These have been the finest, most creative, and fulfilling years of my life. My friends, do we have dreams? Do we, dreams of, do we still have dreams of goals that we would like to set? For God's glory, we ought to have amazing dreams of what God can do through us individually and through us as a church. We ought to have amazing dreams continually of what God can do To bring glory to Him. Not to ourselves, but to Him. You know, over the years, thinking of dreams, and there's been so many times over the years when I've been working on a project, whether it be carpentry-wise or mechanical-wise or whatever, that I'd be struggling with trying to figure out how to do this. How can I figure these angles out on this thing that I'm building or this problem that I have mechanically? And I thought, "Ah, I'm just going to have to sleep on it. So I would sleep on it. Karen's shaking her head. She said, like, yeah, it's happened many times. I have to sleep on it. And I don't know if I had a dream or just thinking about it through the night, but I'd wake in the morning. I'm like, I got it. I got it. Thank you, Lord. I figured it out. And God would give me it, the revelation, of how to fix this problem that I find myself in or how to work it out. So speaking of dreams, we're going to be talking about dreams today. I have a challenge for you. I had a dream last night. I want you to tell me what it was. Isabel, I had a dream last night. Tell me what my dream was. You don't know? What do you mean you don't know? Judith, I had a dream. Would you Please tell me what it was. Karen? No, it wasn't it. (laughs) That's crazy, right? Isn't that a crazy request to tell me what I dreamed? It's a crazy thing, but in today's scripture, it's a long one, but that is exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar asked his wise men, magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, and Chaldeans. He asked them all. He had a dream, a dream that troubled him. It, 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 his sleep left him. He was so troubled by this dream. If you've ever read Daniel, you know it. He had this dream of this huge, massive image. An image was made up of five different types of material. Gold, and silver, and bronze, and iron, and iron and clay. And it was just a huge image, but then there was a stone cut out without hands that was cast down and destroyed the image. So he had to know what this meant. What did this dream mean? And he knew that if he called in the wise men and the astrologers and said, here's my dream, now tell me what it means, that they would just come up with something. They They would pull something out of the sky to tell him. So he knew that if they had to, they'd lie. So he knew though that if there was anyone to tell him what the dream was and the interpretation that it had to be true. Great plan. But none could do it. Daniel, however, was not there that day. I don't know if they only called the Babylonians, the Chaldeans and not the foreigners but they could not do it. They could not reveal his dream. So he made the decree Let all the wise men, astrologers, magicians, let them all be killed. Every last one of them. And that's where our story picks up today. Daniel chapter 2, beginning with verse 24. Therefore Daniel went to Arak, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation." Then Arach quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded The wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. This is vital, my friends. Daniel says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He didn't say, Yes, I can. But he said, There is a God in heaven who can reveal the secrets. And he is made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days? Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, the secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king." "...and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, this great image whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands." "...which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together, and they became like chaff from the summer threshing floor." Ground them to pieces where they would just... What does the chaff do? Blows away. It is gone. That's what happened to the image. "...the wind carried them away, that no trace of them was found." And the stone struck the image. The stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is a dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. Now I want to pause there. He is not the king of kings, but he is a great king among the kings of the earth. He was a great king. His empire was tremendous. The the. The Babylonian empire was huge. The cities that he built were, fa- were just fabulous. The river flowed through it. The gardens, it was such a magnificent city. Plus his kingdom expanded to many parts of the world. He says, For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand. And has made you ruler over them. You are this head of gold. But after you. He didn't like that after you, did he? But after you. That's letting him know his kingdom's coming to an end. After you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And then the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. And as much as iron breaks in pieces... And shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in these days, these kings, the God of heaven, will set up a kingdom which shall, ne- which shall never be destroyed. Amen and hallelujah. Amen. God's kingdom, as the song said, will never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall, be, shall not be left to other people. And it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And as much as you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the, known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, since you have revealed this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many, many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. And also Daniel petitioned the king And he set Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. Daniel was, when it says sat in the gate, he was part of the king's staff. He was over the whole province of Babylon. I know that's a long reading, but we have to get to it. So how... How did the children of Israel, many of them, not all, some were left in the land of Jerusalem and Israel, but many were carried off captive. How did they wind up there again? What happened? What happened? Well, I'm gonna ask a question. If you have a teenage child, let's say they they're 16 and they're driving, 16, 17, they're driving. Mom and dad? I'm going to, can I go out Friday night? I have a date. Okay. You need to be home by 11 o'clock. The child doesn't come home. Don't look at me like that. The child doesn't come home till midnight. And you say, oh, did you have a good time? And just pat them on the back and all's well. You say nothing about their one-hour tardiness. A couple weeks later, mom and dad can I have the keys again. Got another date. Be home by 11 o'clock. Well, this time they don't get home till 1 o'clock. Oh, I'm glad you had a great time. Well, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse, is it not? If you do not discipline that child. But if they come home at 12 o'clock and you said you're an hour late, you are going nowhere for the next month, you're not driving. The next time they want to go out on a date, they are going to make sure they're home by 11 o'clock, right? Because you have disciplined them. Them. Well, that is what happened once again to the children of Israel. God was disciplining them, disciplining them. I can't talk this morning. Because once again, they began to worship the idols, the false idols, the false gods, like the neighbors around them. And if God didn't do something to bring them back, they never, it would just get worse and worse and worse, like that child that keeps coming home later and later and later. You listening, Isabel and Zoe? You're, you're, you're close to driving on your own. You've got to listen here. Mom and dad's going to discipline you so you don't get out of hand. That's what they had to, God had to do with the children of Israel. He had to discipline them because they would have kept getting worse and worse and farther and farther away from Him in disobedience and unfaithfulness. That is how the nation, or many of the people, wound up captives in Babylon. But God, it's amazing how He will use even a heathen king to bring this discipline upon His people. It just shows His sovereignty over all nations, that He rules all the world and all nations. And we should find comfort in that. Psalms twenty-two, twenty-seven through 28 says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the king is the, the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. My friends, not just nation, he rules over all the nations. God is in control. Sometimes we shake our head in wonder, but my friends, God is in control of the nations. You remember. Another time that God gave a dream to a heathen king, well, or pharaoh. Remember, God gave pharaoh a dream about these seven plump and strong and healthy looking cows and seven other weak, sickly looking cows came up out of the river and swallowed up the healthy cows, but they were no stronger looking. They were still just as weak and strong Scrawny and terrible looking as before, and seven plump and healthy grains of head, grains of wheat, and then seven sickly, dried up grains of wheat came and ate the strong ones. And again they were still sickly looking, right? Who revealed that dream? Well, God did through Joseph through Joseph. Joseph is the vessel that God used to reveal to Pharaoh that there were going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of drought and famine. God used heathen Pharaoh to reveal his dream to. But you know there's no better example of God's ultimate control in all of history, than this passage that I just read from Daniel, that God reveals to Nebuchadnezzar that his kingdom will not last forever. He lists the five different materials that will show who will follow Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, we know the head of gold represents Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's and the Babylonian Empire, thought to be the greatest and most powerful kingdom of the ancient times. Babylon ruled from 636 B.C. to 539 B.C. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 51-7, called Babylon a gold cup in the Lord's hand. That head of gold, a gold cup in the Lord's hand. The breast and the arms of silver represent the Medo-Persian kingdom under the rule of Darius, the Mede, who conquered Babylon. Babylon. Even though they were inferior, they were able to conquer Babylon. The belly and thighs of bronze were the Grecian kingdom in which Alexander the Great was the leader of. He established what was probably the largest empire in ancient times. Not the greatest, I say, but the largest, covering more territory than any others. He was, without a doubt, the best military commander of all times. His brutal tactics earned him the reputation of being very fierce. At times, he would go in and conquer an entire city without having to kill a single person. That's how fierce his reputation was. So whenever they heard that Alexander was coming, they just got out their white flags and started waving their white flags, right? There ain't no sense going against him because we know we're going to be defeated. We're going to be squashed, right? They surrendered He didn't even have to raise a sword against them. The legs of iron and feet of iron and clay represent the Roman Empire. Iron represents strength, but clay represents weakness. The Roman Empire was strong concerning the law and organization and military might. But the Roman Empire also included many different people groups. And that created a weakness because they had a mixture of people. I noticed Frankie's shirt this morning said, America, united we stand. My friends, what a word for any nation, but today for our nation. Because divided, we will fall. But united, friends, we will stand. That's what happened to the Roman Empire. They were divided. Different peoples, different ideas. That was their weakness. Daniel said in verse 43, As you saw iron mixed with clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. That's what led to their downfall. What a lesson for us today. This image and interpretation also, my friends, has a future fulfillment. And that is the destruction of the image, the destruction of the great world powers Yes, many of them have already fallen, but it's also a future prophecy that the kingdoms of this world will fall. Psalms 118.22 says, The stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Matthew 21.43-44 and 44 says, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken And whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. My friends, there's the future fulfillment of it. It will grind him to powder. It will be like chaff and be blown away. The kingdoms of this world, I don't care how great they are, that stone is going to crush them and they will be blown away. In Revelation 19, 11-16, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one, no one except, no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped with blood, and his name is called Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in white linen, fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it He should strike the nations. And He Himself, my friends, He Himself will rule them with a rod iron. He Himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is who Jesus Christ is. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His kingdom will never be destroyed. I don't care how great the world's armies are, how powerful the nations are, they can all join together in one, and it will not stand against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because He will crush them and they will blow away like the chaff. The church, we must understand this that we are His. Yes, we live in this earth. We're to obey the law set forth by our government. And He says that we are to obey them. But we must understand that we are His people. We are His children. We are the flock of His pasture, if you will. That He is our King. That He is our ultimate authority. And we should be comforted by this. With the promise that hell shall not prevail against the church. You receive that today? My friends, hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus, while speaking to Peter, He says that He is the rock that the church will will be built upon and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter the chaos all around, remember that we are His. We are children of the righteous King who will rule all the earth. Another important point in our passage is prayer when Daniel found out the reason for the king's decree to put all the magicians, astrologers, and Chaldeans to death because of their inability to tell the king his dream, he went to the captain of the guards and said, please give me time. Give us time to pray. He did not pray alone. In verses 17 and 18 that I didn't read, it says, Daniel went to his house and made the decision known the Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from God concerning the secret, so that Daniel and his companions may not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. My friends, do not neglect to ask others to join you in prayer. Don't think you have to do it on your own. But ask others. Reach out to others. Pray with me. Be united in prayer. In Acts 1, 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. We're talking about the, the church, the new Christian church. They joined together in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with His brothers. Matthew 18, 18 and 19 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree... I'm talking about unity. On earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two two or three are gathered there in my name, I am there in the midst of them also. We must be united. And when the answer came, did Daniel go in there and say, King, I've got it. I've figured it out. No, he gave credit where credit was due. He said to the king there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to king Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days. He gave God the glory. And my friends, anything that we do, we should be giving God the glory. Because he is the giver of all wisdom, knowledge and understanding and strength and power. Amen. Have you ever taken credit for something you didn't do? Not don't you don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever taken all the credit for something you only had a hand in? I can thinking back as I was thinking about this to my real early days on the railroad. We painted the locomotives, did the complete paint job. We would change them over from B and O or Western Maryland to the then new Chessie System paint scheme, which is old now. But so back then, of course, you know computers were not there; (laughs) they weren't in the picture. So everything was. Uh, recorded on paper. So whenever through this whole process would take two and a half to three days from start to finish to completely paint an engine and you had, we had painters on 24-7. So there's our paperwork, everyone signs off what they do. So we found out that there was a painter on daylight, an older gentleman, that if the engine was completed on his shift that he'd go through and Erase out other guys' names and put his name in there on jobs that he didn't actually do. <laughs> so, But we just laugh about it because it's like, you know, I like the old fella, the old part anyway. But, you know, he was taking credit for things he couldn't do. He, he did have a bad hip, and there was a lot of things he couldn't do. But he was, he, was a, he was a neat guy, cool guy. But, you know, who wants to take credit for something you didn't do? He did. <laughs> but I, I liked him anyway. But Daniel and his friends... They were faithful to God. Faithful to give Him the credit, to give Him the glory that's due His name, right? Because of their faithfulness, because of their faithfulness, you remember the first chapter in Daniel, to keep the laws of God, to not defile themselves, to not worship idols, because of their faithfulness, they experienced favor in a foreign land. Under a heathen king, they experience the faithfulness of God. My friends, we can experience God's faithfulness no matter the situation in our lives. Can you imagine the king fell on his face before Daniel? King Nebuchadnezzar on his face. And he says, Truly, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. But we must point something out. Or I must point something out. I must point out the king's fault. His fault was that he said with his mouth that your God is the God of God and the King of kings. But it was only in his mind that he knew this and only because Daniel revealed the dream and the interpretation. He did not say it from his heart. What does the word say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He did not say it from his heart though. He did not say, he said your God has revealed it. He was not able to say, my God. My friends, that's what we must do. We must be able to say from our heart, my God is the King of Kings. My God is the Lord of Lords. Friends, my God is a revealer of secrets. My God rules the nations. My God will crush the empires of the world. We must make it personal. My God. Not your God or His God, but each and every one of us must make it personal. Our God is the revealer of secrets. Whether we are at peace, or whether we are struggling, whether we are free, whether we are slave, whether we are young, whether we are old, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, we can still say, my God, my God is God. Catherine Marshall told a story that there was once a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all of the pictures, but there were only two that he really liked. He had to choose between the two of them. One picture was of a calm lake the lake was a perfect mirror of peace, of it, for a peaceful, towering mountain that was behind it. Overhead was a blue sky with white fluffy clouds. All who saw this picture thought that it was a perfect picture of peace. We've experienced that. We've seen the beautiful lakes with the trees and, and wow, how peaceful, right? But the other picture, it had mountains also, but these were rugged and bare mountains. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and lightning played across. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked very closely, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack of the rock. And in that bush, a mother bird had built a nest and there... Was she and her little birds. And there they sat in perfect peace. Which picture do you think won the prize? He chose the second. And do you know why? Because, explained the king, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. Friends, that's a perfect picture of society that we live in today, right? All that is going on, but we can have the peace that passes all understanding. Can we not? Because of our God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The king found the answer to his dream that troubled him, but he did not find the peace because he did not allow the God of peace to enter his heart. There are so many out there today in the world that are troubled. I mean, look at the newspaper. Look at the drug epidemic. They're troubled because they won't allow the God of peace to enter into their hearts, to fill that void in their hearts. My friends, the God that reveals secrets, the God that is all-knowing, wants to live and dwell in the hearts of all men. We have that good news. We must share that good news. We must introduce people to the God of peace, that they too can find the peace that we have in our hearts. May we give him the glory every day. Amen.